This podcast is brought to you by Close Brothers Asset Management. We've created this podcast to set out possible approaches. Please do not view it as financial advice or its content as investment recommendations. Just because an investment or investment strategy has performed well in the past does not mean it will continue to do so. Our predictions are based on information that is currently available. However, events and markets can and do change rapidly. Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Close Brothers Asset Management, where each month members of our investment team will take a temperature check on the state of the global economy. I'm Tony Winkup, and this month I'm joined by Robert Alster and Isabel Alboran. Good to see you both with me here in London. Hi, morning. Good morning. Uh, lots to think about after a pretty dismal 2022, wasn't it? Um, but the question really now is, will it be any better? Now, Isabel, forgive me, I've just sneaked a peek of your notes. You've scribbled some positives and negatives about the world economy. So um, let's start with uh, what's concerning you first. Yes, let's start with the bad news. <laughs> so unfortunately... From a growth perspective, we're expecting 2023 to be a worse year than 2022. And I know that sounds like it would be difficult to achieve because 2022 certainly felt like it was a really difficult year and it was a difficult year for markets. But from a GDP perspective, growth was actually pretty OK. So we're estimating that GDP was probably about 3.2% globally, uh, GDP growth in 2022, which is actually above what was delivered in 2019 before the pandemic happened. In terms of what we're expecting for the year ahead, well, their estimates are probably closer to 2%, so quite a bit lower. And that's going to mostly be down to the fact that we've had high inflation, incomes are squeezed, it's harder for households to maintain consumption. And the impact of that is that, well, for, for corporates, their earnings is going to be more difficult for, for earnings to grow. And what's average, an average year of GDP globally? Uh, it's probably around two and a half to three percent. OK, um, so you've grasped the net. So we've had the negative news. What's the good news? Yeah, well, so um, the good news is that inflation is very likely to be falling in most economies this year. Uh, we referred to the uh, real income squeeze that we experienced last year. If we've got inflation coming down, it's, uh, so it provides a support to real incomes and it makes it easier for households to grow their spending. So that's really positive. Robert, do you agree with that point about households? Do you think people do have enough savings? Are they going to still be racking stuff up on their credit cards? Well, it's funny you should ask that because in the last week, we've seen people spending on holiday bookings forward, you know, Easter, mm -hmm. summer. And the evidence is that they are determined to go on holiday and people spending, you know, £3,000 plus on their holidays. So that tends to suggest that people are more than willing to dip into their savings. And that's what the Office of Budget Responsibility were hoping and predicting was going to happen to keep the UK economy alive, as it were, in 2023, compared to the more pessimistic and downbeat Bank of England view. So it looks like, yeah, people are prepared to spend. Well, if the wink-up household is anything to go by, I mean, we have booked a few holidays in the last right. few weeks after right. this pandemic-induced mm. yeah. hibernation we've all been through. Um, Isabel, just on, on energy markets, though, coming back to what, again, apparently just seems to be 
more positive in the last couple of weeks with the gas prices coming down in yeah, Europe. Absolutely. So over Christmas, we had kind of two Christmas miracles. The first of which was that we've had a very mild period um, of weather in Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. So that's allowed gas prices to come down to uh, below where they were this time last year. So that was before Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, and that obviously it's going to make it much easier for uh, industry to carry on because their energy costs are going to be lower and it should help to bring down inflation further. And um, that's, you know, another one of the reasons why we're beginning to see the peak in where the market is expecting interest rates to go, which has been one of those reasons for positivity in terms of financial markets. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but my read on that is that that's just better news for governments that had set aside billions of pounds or dollars or whatever it was just to pay those energy guarantees is that really do you think robert going to flow through to the consumer well i think it will i think it will flow through to the consumer because if you've got the the gas price coming down energy bills are going to be lower which obviously improves the fiscal position of those governments but i would say that industry is you know we can talk about the wind cup household and their your energy bills but it's really industry you have to watch out for here Mm -hmm. And the fact that we're not going to get interruptions and power cuts means that you 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 know the economic growth forecasts are unlikely to be cut, and that's just as important as things happening in terms of the consumer. But yeah, the fiscal position of government mm-hmm. should be better. Um, I guess there's one caveat, which is we've still got quite a lot of winter months to get to. We do, and it's chilly outside today, isn't it? It's a cold snap, certainly in London. Um, I know that we all want to speak about China. And, uh, you know, I'm a bit on the fence here. I don't know what, what, what you both think. It seems good news for sure that China's reopening. Sadly, about 60,000 people, by official estimates, have lost their lives just in the start of this year. But from an economic perspective, another leg up to a slowing global economy. Isabel, good news? It is good news, yeah. This is the second Christmas miracle that I was referring mm-hmm. to. Um, whilst the execution perhaps could have been improved... The fact that uh, these really, really strict social restrictions have been eased in China, it does make it possible for China's economy to have a recovery this year. So um, I think last year we're expecting growth to have been about 3% in China. This year, with restrictions eased, it makes something around 5% or higher possible. And that provides an enormous boost to global growth, especially in the Asia region. So whilst we've got not fantastic GDP forecasts in many of the developed economies, China and the countries very kind of connected to China, uh, we're expecting forecasts to be rising. Robert, you could say that, that China coming back on stream could create uh, an inflationary stimulus that could feed through to the global economy, uh, influence central banks' activity in terms of interest rates. I mean, I know, for example, freight, the cost of freight has really come down in the last sort of 18 months, but that could pick up again. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one to evaluate because you've got on the demand side all the people in lockdown coming back on, mm-hmm. going out, you know, spending as consumers, inflationary, as you say. On the other hand, China biggest manufacturer in the world, you're going to get the supply constraints um, unwinding and easing as well, probably through the second half of 2023 and beyond, which is disinflationary. So it's going to be a question of timing, really, I think, more than anything else. But I agree with Isabel totally. Overall, compared to the zero COVID policy of last year, good news. And actually, just to add to that, 
I think um, the more social consumption is an option for Chinese consumers, that that's going to see a bigger allocation of the wallet being spent on that. And that means you perhaps have less emphasis on goods consumption. And if you recall in 2020 and uh, in 2021, mm-hmm. well, we had this huge surge in goods consumption because everyone was buying a lot of no goods. No one could have an experience. <laughs> exactly. we couldn't, I mean, you couldn't go and have your hair cut, could you? Yes. Not that it was a problem for me, but, you know, you couldn't do it. <laughs> exactly. So it's all about all about experiences now and coming up. We've seen that with crowds, haven't we, mixing in China over over the new year, etc. Um, yeah, bookings for holidays in China, um, you know, that's very, been very a, a strong early indicator. And surging. Um, yeah, I don't want to put a dampener on that bright spot as well, but we haven't really spoken about recession. A lot of people think that recession is likely in the UK, Europe and the US potentially this year. Where do you both stand on that question? Really important question. Yes. So as I referenced a bit earlier, the outlook in many of the developed markets is not fantastic this year. Uh, In the UK, we managed to avoid a recession in the fourth quarter of 2022. We did think maybe it would have started already. But I think it's still very likely that there will be a recession at some point in 2023. So our estimate is about minus 1% growth year on year uh, in the final quarter of 2023. I mean, that always, sorry, that sounds like an an oxymoron to me, 0% growth. I mean, forgive me, but is that meaningful? Is that something that people will notice that it doesn't really become much worse than that? That by historical standards, if you're talking about recessions, is pretty mild, really. I mean, in mm-hmm. the past, you've had yeah. some big negative numbers. So it's debatable whether a flatlining economy will feel like a recession, especially with um, relatively strong employment. Um, yes, yeah, we had minus throughout. 4% in the, uh, COVID in the yeah. global financial crisis. Yeah. 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 COVID yeah. is, you know, much more steep yeah. declines. So, you know, going at zero to between zero and minus one, you're barely going to, I mean, you you're barely going to notice. Obviously, from a government statistician's point of view, it doesn't look great, um, or from a political point of view. Sure. But yeah, from an economic point of view, that's fine. The other thing I'd say is, is that whenever I hear Isabel say, "Oh well, you know, it's going to be bad this year," part of me thinks, "Well, the markets will quite like that mm-hmm. because you're getting to the point of a trough. You know, you've had the the bad COVID part, and markets will think, "Ah, oh, after the trough, with lowering inflation, lowering interest rates." We can suddenly see the light at the end of the tunnel. We can see the upswing. And that, of course, is when you start getting um, uh, markets rallying on that because they're looking through the potential bad news from company earnings in the first half. Well, you've kind of preempted my next question there, Robert, um, because just before coming into this this session here, I was looking at some of the numbers, just the first 12 days of the year, but equity markets looking strong. Exactly. Bond markets looking strong. Dollar looking yep. weaker. FTSE 100 nearing a record high. I mean, that's all positive stuff, isn't it? It is, yeah, and that's what the market's doing. It's thinking, well, we're going to have interest rates, inflation low, interest rates peaking. We can see through this, okay, poor corporate earnings, but we know about those because they're obviously the result of everything Isabel's mentioned that went wrong in 2022. So we're looking through this to to better times. That's why markets are rallying. I mean, we've got... Just really at the, the the beginnings of some of the earnings season now, aren't we? We've got, just had the banks in the US report, etc. Yes. Um, do you think we're going to see some earnings destruction, and that's going to be that's going to cause companies to re-rate in equity markets, or, I su- or not? I suspect the earnings season, yeah, we'll see some poor numbers, but perhaps not as poor as people were forecasting. But the really important thing as well is what managements say about the outlook. 
And if they start saying, oh, well, we can see this is the worst quarter, um, then again, you've got green shoots of optimism. Okay, we're going to end on a stat today. Right. You've, um, you've, you've reliably informed me you've come up with a stat zero, which oh, is yes. particularly interesting for a particular <clears throat> reason. So go for it, Robert. Yeah, zero because there's zero negative yielding bonds for the first time in I don't know, one to two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, two years ago, it was something like I don't know, 18 trillion of negative yielding bonds. And, and we've now moved to a stage where bonds as an asset class are coming back into their own. I think it was last week, the last negative Japanese yielding bond turned positive. So you're back to, to sort of multi-asset investing again. Seems unbelievable, Isabel, doesn't it, that, that people can say at some point in the future that they paid people to borrow their money. Yes, it's certainly been a challenging period, I think, for bond investors. Because, yeah, as you say, if a, you've got a negative yielding asset, you're, you're guaranteed, if you hold it to maturity, to be worse off. So um, the fact that we've got much more choice in terms of the opportunity set uh, will be very welcome. Okay, so let's hope that augurs some, some good news into 2023. But um, thanks for your thoughts. It's been a blast uh, catching up with you. I've really enjoyed Thank it. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you again next month. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye.